Welcome to SLU Law Summations, presenting brief looks at legal matters that matter to you by St. Louis University School of Law, located in the heart of downtown St. Louis. In the past month, the Missouri Legislature has passed two bills that changed the way health insurance is managed in our state. These changes have been a long time coming and finally put Missouri on par with many other states. I'm Corey Dugas, and today we're joined by Sydney Watson, professor in the SLU Law Center for Health Law Studies. Professor Watson teaches health law policy and advocacy, where she empowers her students to enable change in Missouri legislation. Thank you for joining us today, Sydney. Thank you. It's good to be here. The Missouri legislation recently passed a bill that enacts a health insurance rate review. So can you tell us a little bit more about what that rate review is? Yes, rate review has to do with the premiums we pay for our insurance. Uh, That check you cut every month or that amount that's taken out of your uh, employer's check each month that pays for the health insurance. Uh, Up until this legislation, Missouri was the only state that did not authorize its Department of Insurance to collect and review the premiums that health insurers Wow, so we're, we're 50th right there. You know, yeah, we were the we, last one to go. Not only were we the last one prior to this bill, the Department of Insurance had authority to review premiums for all other forms of insurance in the state, oh. like your car insurance, your house insurance, even your pet insurance. Okay. This was the one outlier. So now the Department of Insurance has the same authority to collect those premiums and to review them to see if they are justified, fair, non-discriminatory before they go into effect and we have to make those payments. Okay. So who's going to be conducting these rate reviews? The Department of Insurance in Jefferson City. Okay. And why is this so important to Missouri residents? Well, it's important because it's about accountability and transparency. Uh, It gives the department and everyone in the state an opportunity to review not only the numbers, but the actuarial justifications they're based on. All of those fancy accounting guesses about how sick people will be, how much health care they will use, and be able to see, again, if they're fair. Okay, so that's really keeping it open. You mentioned this issue with transparency in the health insurance industries. So how can the law's protect the consumers? Well, in terms of rate review, the transparency here is not only is this information filed with the department, it now has to be posted on the department's website, so it's available to all of us to review, and we'll have an opportunity to weigh in and talk to the department about how we feel about these uh, rates. It's also the first time that we're going to even have information about our health insurance rates to be able to compare to other states and across the states. Mm-hmm. So that's really important, just having access to the information. You said that it's going to be available on the website. Is there a way that those that don't have Internet access are going to be able to see this health insurance information? Uh, certainly you can request copies from the Department of Insurance, but I tell you the easiest way would be to go to your local library and use their web sources. Great plug for the libraries there, Sydney. Um, So this bill's been in the works for quite some time. Why did this all move through this year? 
Yeah, we have seen bills um, promoting rate review for at least five years. And the reason we had success this year was partly about consumer advocacy and advocacy that our students have been engaged in. Uh, the students were with citizens uh, in Jefferson City talking to legislators about the importance of rate review. And some of them really got interested and concerned about the issue. And a group of three legislators, two Republicans and a Democrat, co-sponsored the bill. It was a bipartisan effort, something that's unusual in our state and many states. Representative Bill White and Representative Charlie Davis of the Joplin area, along with Margot McNeil from the St. Louis area, um, put together a bill and worked with it and got support really across the aisle and throughout the legislature. So it's really an example of legislators working together and consumers' voices being heard. Great. You also mentioned that some of the students have been actively involved in this. Can you talk about what they've done and how they've gotten involved? On the rate review, they did many things. They helped with drafting some of the language. Um, they have been doing research on premium rate increases in Missouri and elsewhere. Uh, we have been able to get a little bit of that data, and we were able to share with the legislature that in our marketplace plans, we've seen increases of 24% over oh, the wow. last two years compared nationally with increases of only 6%. And I think those statistics and that research uh, was very important in the dialogue and the conversation about the need for rate review. Absolutely. That shows that there is a big need. Um, on the same day that this bill was passed, there was another bill that raised asset limits uh, that had to do with Medicaid. Can you explain what this bill does and why it was also important? Sure. You, as I know you know, Corey, Medicaid is the program that covers low-income people mm -hmm. uh, here in Missouri and across the country. And a lot of people with disabilities and seniors depend on Medicaid for their health insurance. Uh, here in Missouri and in most other states, to qualify for Medicaid, you have to be low income. For seniors and people with disabilities, they can't earn more than $135 a month. But there's also something called an asset rule, which means you can't have too much savings in the bank. And the Missouri rule on assets had not been changed since 1965. Wow. And the maximum amount a senior or a person with disability could have in the bank was $999.99. If they had one penny more, they lost their Medicaid coverage. That is a really low limit. So it's just specifically money that's in the bank that counts towards their assets, or is there anything else that goes into that? It's really anything that you could sell to get cash quickly. So it can be um, jewelry, it could be bonds, it could be stock, it's cars over a certain amount. Uh, so it's really a broad rule. Mm -hmm. um, what this bill does, and it was House Bill 1565, is it raises that limit from $999 um, to $10,000 over a period of 10 years. Okay, so that's gonna move slowly and incrementally over these next 10 years? That's right, and then when it reaches that $10,000 limit, there will be an annual cost of living increase, so we don't run into this problem Oh, that's again. good. So we're gonna move forward with the bill. It's gonna to continue to move forward even after we hit that $10,000 limit. That's right. Okay. And it now means that um, seniors and people with disability who depend on Medicaid will be able to put their own money aside for emergencies, whether it's 
um, a furnace breaking, a car mm-hmm. breaking, trying to go to school, or needing extra medicines that aren't paid for by Medicaid, they'll have a little money to fall back on. And that's important for all of us. So I'm glad that this is this is helping those folks out that depend on Medicaid as well. Um, I know that your students have always also been really active in what's going on with this. What have they done specifically there? Well, the students uh, participated in a very broad coalition that was directed by Paraquad, one of our disability rights groups. And the role they took was interviewing people with disabilities and seniors who depend on Medicaid, um, who've been struggling because of this asset limit. Um, And they shared those stories with our legislators in Jeff City. Are there any stories that you think particularly hit home um, in relation to what's happening with Medicaid and what the students worked on? Well, one of the uh, gentlemen they interviewed and one of the stories they shared was Matt Brock. Uh, He lives here in St. Louis. Matt is 35 years old, and he's been using a wheelchair now for about 15 years, and he depends on Medicaid. And he explained to the students how uh, he has saved $999.99. Right to the penny. Right to the penny, and he could save a little more, and he needed to save more because there are some repairs to his wheelchair that he has to pay for himself. Mm -hmm. They're not covered by Medicaid his health insurance. And so Matt explained that raising this asset limit would really make a real difference in his life. It would allow him to feel much safer and more comfortable that if a catastrophe or a problem occurred, he'd have something to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. These personal stories that we hear um, really lead to a lot of impact with us. Do you think that that impacts how the, how the bills progress, how the legislation goes through, is hearing these stories? Yeah, our legislators in Jeff City are there. I think they really consider themselves public servants, and when they hear about people's real-life experiences, it makes a difference. Can you talk to us about any other things that you see popping up on the horizon that are happening um, either uh, with health care or with hospitals, insurance, anything that you're seeing that's, that may be coming for us in the future? Well, of course, what didn't happen this year and hasn't happened yet here in Missouri is expanding Medicaid to cover low-income people between the age of 19 and the age of 65 who are not disabled. Mm -hmm. Uh, We now know that we have 300,000 uninsured Missourians who could be covered by this Medicaid expansion that is part of the Affordable Care Act. 30 other states in the District of Columbia have expanded Medicaid. Uh, In those states, they found that not only does it reduce the number of people without insurance, Mm -hmm. but it improves health overall. It's actually improved the economy as more people go to the doctor, are able to pay the doctor, are able to get the drugs they need, are able to pay for their hospital care. So it's really been a win-win in all of the states Mm -hmm. around us that have expanded Medicaid, and that includes Arkansas and Kentucky and Iowa and Illinois. Mm -hmm. Um, Hopefully we will be talking about that in the legislature in a year or two. Well, that's exciting, and it really sounds like it flows nicely with what we're already seeing happening, and, and hopefully Missouri can move forward instead of being 50th on this one, too. So we've been talking primarily about what's happening here in the state of Missouri, but can you tell us what's happening on a national level, perhaps where the Affordable Care Act may be moving to? 
Sure. On on one level, the Affordable Care Act has been extraordinarily successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have brand new statistics out this week that uh, we have more people with insurance than we have ever had in this country. Our rates of uninsurance nationally are under 10%, which okay. we have not seen those rates since before the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, and those numbers are actually better than anyone predicted when we passed the Affordable Care Act. So you could say that it is a surprising success. On the other hand, in the political arena, it continues to be highly contentious. Um, We have a recent federal district court case that came down in the last 10 days. The case is called House versus Burwell, and the Republican members of the U.S. House of Representatives sued the Secretary of HHS claiming that the premium tax credits that are being used to help make health insurance affordable for moderate-income Americans who purchase off the new marketplace um, needs an appropriation from Congress that the Republican legislators do not want to pass. Um, The district court ruled in favor of the House members. Mm -hmm. Uh, The case will now be going up on appeal. Um, On the one hand, if anyone is listening who is getting these credits, it does not affect any of the credits now. This case has to work its way through the court. We don't know what will be happening with it. But there's still half a dozen other lawsuits that are also winding their way through the court. I think the other thing about the Affordable Care Act is it will be front and center in the presidential election. Absolutely. It will certainly be an issue that... um, Donald Trump, the soon-to-be Republican nominee, uh, has said, like other Republican nominees, that he intends to repeal the Affordable Care Act. And I think most people say that if there is a Republican president in November, we will see a repeal vote. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's a lot at stake in terms of the presidential campaign and the future of the Affordable Care Act. There absolutely is. Can you tell us what it might look like if the Affordable Care Act was repealed for those people that depend on this for insurance? Well, we would have in the nature of 30 million people losing their insurance, and that includes both Medicaid and the insurance that people are purchasing off the private insurance market. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in terms of the politics, what is anticipated might be a vote to repeal the Affordable Care Act in one year, Mm -hmm. uh, and then um, a very busy Congress trying to figure out what to replace it with. Absolutely. So on the other end of the spectrum, if if we push forward and the Affordable Care Act is strengthened, what else could be happening with that? Um, Well, certainly I think after the November elections, if we have a Democratic uh, president, I think that some of the rhetoric, the political rhetoric around the law will will loosen up Mm -hmm. a little bit. I think there will be an opportunity for states like Missouri uh, to really have a conversation about Medicaid expansion that's not about the politics of Republicans and Democrats and who's the president, but about um, the benefits to people, the financing, and how it helps uh, our hospitals and our clinics. Mm -hmm. It's nice to be able to look at things in the way that they benefit the citizens, both here in Missouri and nationally. Sydney, thank you so much for stopping by today to discuss healthcare legislation both in Missouri and nationwide. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for SLU Law Summations, produced by St. Louis University School of Law.